switched it up from I thought you was chasing the Hamas and whatever they call you now talk about Israel must control everything from the river to the sea to the land everything must control the whole narrative that changed he didn't turn terrorist that is what did y'all hear that we must control you don't even recognize the Palestinians you know what that mean don't you they finna lay waste to them people you're not looking for no no terrorism over there Hamas didn't I tell you he just switched you come out here on that or in this on the world stage and say we must control everything from here to the sea This was the agenda the entire time. Did I call another one? Or did I call another one? This was murder, genocide, so they can build that um that canal, right? Get all of that gas up under there, be trillionaires, and kill all the Palestinian people. Because I want to, I'm gonna tell y'all something y'all probably don't know. The Palestinians is descendants of the Hebrews, uh Jeff, they the Hebrews. This is my big my last video. This is my message for the world. We have been cut off from food and electricity and water and everything. And we cannot leave our house because they are killing us from inside and outside. Until now, no one has moved. We don't want you to move because of us or Palestine only. We need you to move because of the violence targeting Al-Aqsa Mosque. There is no difference between Kaaba and Al-Aqsa Mosque. What are you waiting for? We don't want you to support us with food or money. We want you to move. Please move. This is the crafty council that these people come up with, Israel. Now, they want Gaza, all Gaza and them, they ain't got no, no gun or anything. They got rocks. So listen to this dude, Israel ambassador to the UN, you want to know why we bomb women and children with impunity? This is why he said they bomb women and children. Like this, that are thrown at Israelis in their cars and on buses. They are thrown at Israeli men and women, at Israeli babies and children every single day. In 2021 alone, Israeli suffered 1,775 rocket attacks by Palestinian terrorists, but the word says nothing. Members of the council, would you consider it a terror attack if a rock like this was thrown at your car while Be turning. Lebanon dropped so many missiles on Israel. Thousands of the Jewish people they flee in Israel. They flee in Israel by the thousands right now. Lebanon, shout out to Lebanon and the Lebanese people being the ones to come to the Palestinians aid. Governments don't like this. Thousands of Israelis. Nah, they can't. They, nah. Once the Israelis leave and don't want to come back, the same thing they did to y'all, do it to them. Go Lebanon. I wanted to say something about Nambia and the audacity of the white people that, have, so that only make up 6% of the total population. They're Germans. And they've been asked to share with the people of Nambia. And the white people say, we don't want to share with them, even though this is their land. We don't want to share with them. This is the word of the day, is audacity. 
to acknowledge that you are on someone else's land that you have stolen from them and they're not even trying to take it back from you only asking you to share with the natives and you tell the natives go to hell we will not share with you why y'all asking them anything take it same way they took it from you take it from them if why are if they're only six percent of your population i don't give a goddamn who you lucky i ain't the president i'm seizing all the land everything you got in the bank your kids bank account we we that's be us and i'm expelling y'all from the country you mean to tell me four million people is that scared of white folks about 100,000 white people. 50,000, less than that. 20,000 white people. It's 4 million all, y'all and 20,000 of them and y'all scared to death of them. Y'all lucky I ain't president. I'm, go look this story up. It's crazy. They don't even want the land back. They just say, hey, make room for other people. No, we don't want to. Who are they that we should share with them and interrupt our lifestyles this is really things that they said you can't make this shit up I would have my little small military going give it all back to the people why y'all asking is the question if they took it from you why is you asking the minority to get your own shit back so now we have the wrath everybody they call on all cars to go help Texas did I call it was I right or was I right is my research damn near impeccable or what they call on all cars to go and help Texas here's the problem there are a lot of you parents out there that are in Texas that have young men and daughters, sons, nieces, and nephews, grandchildren that are in the armed services. And they both swore an oath to the Constitution not to go against each other. That oath may be what the government is trying to get them to violate. Do y'all hear me? They are pitting your sons against your daughters. Your grandsons against your granddaughters. Your nieces against your nephews. They may very well be in different branches of the military, but may actually end up inadvertently removing each other from the face of this earth, even unknowingly. This is a difficult time that we are living in right now. I ask that you share this video. Here's the thing. What side are you willing to fall on? Because if this goes down like this, we cannot stand on both sides. If there is a civil war between the state and the federal government, it will put family against family, father against son, mother against daughter. You wanna talk about civil war? States versus the federals and the people caught in the middle, that's a civil war. What you talking about Willis? What you mean you been hiding a 30-foot giant? I know you're not finna say you've been hiding no 30-foot giant from us. All of these years you've been calling people crazy, conspiracy theorists, and all of this weird stuff, and then the United States government, y'all been holding on to all these aliens and giants. Can you imagine them already all these years knowing they got a 30-foot giant? And now you've been calling everybody else crazy and delusional, but all of these movies here, we already know the truth. I know the fuck you better not pop up with no motherfucking 30 foot giant talking about some motherfucking bullshit. Now, if it's one, it's two. 
If it's two, it's four. If it's four, it's some more. And all them feel some more, they got to go. So Kathy Holcomb is now, Kathy Holcomb is now telling the people of New York, the congested highway, you're going to pay $35, $30, $25 a month just to drive around. And y'all going to stand by this. New York win is enough enough. Y'all ain't had enough. She got four fingers in the front and the back. Y'all going to stand by. And I looked at the, the, the main video. About 60,000 comments, right? New Yorkers is sitting there talking about this ain't fair. This ain't fair. The people in Chicago came together and defended the city against building a migrant camp and tore it down. New York, y'all ain't did nothing. I want my people to share this video. Have y'all been paying attention lately to the news and what they're showing is more and more things happening to black people you know more beatings more shootings and killings what the news is attempting to do is gaslight the black people to do something so that the police would have a reason to kill them in mass numbers what their mindset is if we just kill them enough, do enough evil shit to them, maybe we can get them to do something, and then we can justify our actions. See, that's just like uh, Israel and Gaza. Gaza ain't broken in to kill no 1,200 people. That was them starting the war, and then they want to go in and annihilate everybody. See, it's the same old tricks. The people don't pay attention. They use the same playbook over and over again. Let's only show negative things on TV about black people being unjustly done to. Warning, black man was shot up 88 times, unarmed, but no charges against the cops. They do that intentionally, hoping to incite riots, things like that, so the police can go up there and you have target practice. That's what they want. This is the evil of them. Y'all follow me? So y'all have to understand not to be gaslit, not to be pumped up, blowed up. When y'all see these things on the news, just remain calm and understand that it's clickbait. It's clickbait. They, they hate us so much. They looking for any reason to take God's true people off of this earth. They are the synagogue of Satan. Y'all see how everything's starting to come unhinged? CNN talking about the whistleblower talking about they need permission from the Jews to talk about Gaza. Not CNN. Not the Crisis News Network. We already knew this, right? Everything is controlled by Israel. United States is just Israel's puppet because Israel got all the goods on all the, the heads of the United States. They got all the tapes, all the conversations, all the, the evidence of the children. And now they make them do whatever they say do. They bitches. They pimping the United States. All, our secretary, the, uh, 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 attorney general, treasury uh, lady secretary, and now CNN admitting yeah, we can't even run a story without their approval. I guess there's so much that, 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 that ain't no more independent, trusted news. Cause we know y'all puppets. When is the disrespect gonna stop? You see the Japanese guy, the scientists, they making steak from human feces. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. Y'all doing too much. I mean, the limits of disgust that these people will justify doing things as though they're helping mankind to turn someone's feces and extract the protein and turn it into steak and say, here, eat this. 
human meat, feces. What's next? Yeah. And you heard it there right out the horse's mouth. You heard it. Ain't no denying it now. What that boy name is McCray from Family Matters? What'd he say? No matter what nobody tell you, we've all been touched in Hollywood. See, when he said all, that means anybody that was at a party and told you about a party, they was touched. They was touched. That's how they got in the party. You got to like allow yourself to be touched. Cat Williams. McCray said it. You in Hollywood, you've been touched. Uh, how crazy this is. And, and if you want to see who the real warmonger is in the Middle East, who the real psychopathic murderer is, or the guy who's the unstable uh, terrorist in the Middle East, let's watch this again. If you take away the Soviet Union and its chief proxy, the PLO, international terrorism would collapse. If you take out Saddam, Saddam's regime, <laughs> I guarantee you, that it will have enormous positive reverberations on the region. Obviously, we'd like to see a regime change, at least I would, in Iran, just as I would like to see in Iraq. The question now is a practical question. It's not a question of whether Iraq's regime should be taken out, but when should it be taken out? It's not a question of whether you'd like to see a regime change in Iran, but how do it... Are there any other nations that you would recommend that the United States launch preemptive attacks upon at this point? Uh, the answer is categorically yes, uh, uh, is Iraq and Iran. But uh, a third nation, by the way, is Libya as well. Libya is uh, trying very rapidly to build uh, an atomic bomb capability. So you have here now three nations. All stand together to stop Iran's march of conquest, subjugation, and terror. I know that no matter on which side of the aisle you sit, you stand with Israel. And all those clowns applauding are uh, some of the most unscrupulous, easily corrupted motherfuckers you've ever met in your life. Every single peace deal that has been proposed by Israel or anyone else has been rejected by the Arabs. Israel's always wanted peace with the Arabs. The Arabs have never wanted peace. But you've come here, kicked people out, occupied the land, and then wanted to do peace negotiations. It's like, you know, it's like certain people go to, come to Australia, for this use Australia. They come to New South Wales, take a land, push the people out, and they go, let's have peace negotiations. We get 50%, you get 50%. We get 41, you get 70. What? Why would anyone accept that? Let's use a contemporary example. Russia's invaded Ukraine. Now they've occupied certain parts of it. Let's say they end up occupying half of Ukraine, for example, hypothetically. Would it then be fine to then start the negotiations, how much Russia gets and how much Ukraine gets? And then if people start saying Russia has a right to exist, the Russian, that, that part of Ukraine, am I wrong to push back on that? No, it's an occupation. Israel is an occupation force that, that was established by forcibly dispossessing people, many of whom still have the keys to their homes. Once, there was a place called Palestine, where people of different religions, like Jews, Muslims, and Christians, lived together peacefully during Ottoman rule. Then, a bearded guy with a vision named Zionism wanted to find a home for Jewish people. During World War II, there was a lot of fighting among different groups, and especially this one white guy wanted to harm Jews for strange reasons. So, Jews decided to settle in Palestine for a while and work things out. They entered in Palestine with a banner saying Germans destroyed our families and homes. Don't you destroy our hopes? As time passed, they, along with their European and American friends, decided to take over a big part of the land. In 1948, with the support of the United Nations, Jews made this land their own. The Palestinian people, of course, didn't agree with this and decided to fight back this new form of colonialism. Sadly, the Palestinians didn't have strong allies in Europe and America. So they lost their land to the Reds. While Saddam Hussein was in power, there was no Al-Qaeda in Iraq. In fact, yeah. Saddam Hussein would have been the first one to execute anyone who would have been found to be linked to Al-Qaeda. And then if we're to believe the official version of history after the occupation, we're supposed to believe that this ISIS creation, which is a creation of Western intelligence agencies, we're supposed to believe that 
All of a sudden, all these Humvees and all these American weapons just accidentally fell into the hands of ISIS, which wreaked havoc, cutting off heads all over that region, all over Iraq. We're supposed to believe that that was an accident. All the while, as Mohammed has mentioned and you've just mentioned, our best friend and ally in Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, is an extension of Israel, Saudi Arabia, the exporter of all of that Wahhabi doctrine, which is the, the seedbed of ISIS, is our best friend and ally. So we created the context in which ISIS was created, and ISIS has wreaked havoc, and it was never a popular movement at all. Every genuine Muslim knows damn well that ISIS is an affront to Islam, and even in Basra, uh, on a yearly basis, last year, was it reported in the Western media at all that there was about 20 million, 20 million Muslims who protested and demonstrated against ISIS and were making clear that ISIS has nothing to do with genuine Islam. We created that, and again I say that's not an accident. The creation of ISIS is not an accident. We know that Al-Qaeda is the CIA database. That was not an accident. These are the Frankensteins that Western intelligence agencies and Mossad create in order to justify our policies in the region, which are basically to destroy that entire region, to balkanize okay. that region so that ultimately Israel can expand. You know, and and American, the American government is bought and paid for by Israel. And it couldn't be more obvious. Netanyahu's three visits to the U.S. Congress where these sycophants, traitors in the U.S. Congress, sit there and give him 29 standing, ovation, tell, 29 standing ovations tells you everything about who owns the U.S. Congress, which is nothing but a den of traitors. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? What's happening right now in Gaza could not happen without the United States. The United States is the primary funder of this genocide. They are the primary armors. They provide most uh, of the weapons. One study showed that since 1950, the United States has provided over 80% of all of the weaponry that Israel uses. Uh, the United States just sent more weapons yesterday. It was released. So while the United States sometimes brags that they've sent some aid, for those of us that are from the United States, that aid means nothing. If you're still sending the bombs, it doesn't matter that you sent food or water. If you sent the aid that caused people to need the food or water, it's even deeper than that. The United States is not just funding it, it's not just arming Israel, the United States is defending Israel at every step. Uh, Joe Biden, the American president, literally has said on multiple occasions, and this was a quote, that there's no red line, that there's no line Israel could cross for him. So while sometimes you'll hear the U.S. say they want Israel to follow international law, when you say there's no red line, that means international laws don't matter. So, Without the United States, I don't think it ever would have happened. Israel knows that the United States government has its back. I'm inspired that millions of people in the United States, myself included, we don't approve, we're disgusted, we're marching, we're demonstrating, we're organizing, in part because we want people around the world to know that this government doesn't speak for us. That, you know, I have to wake up every day and know that my tax dollars are funding something that I'm disgusted by. Not only that, the United States on multiple occasions has vetoed important resolutions in the UN. This morning at our opening session here at the Doha Forum, the Secretary General of the UN expressed his own frustration that he did something he had never done before. He filed really an emergency motion to confront Israel and the violence against Gazans before the UN Security Council, it was 13 votes for a ceasefire, and the United States was the lone vote against, and they vetoed it. Uh, people that might not understand, there are five nations that have permanent veto power, and the United States is basically holding the UN hostage. We believe the United States is committing war crimes with Israel. If Israel's committing war crimes, the US is as well. So. These are legal definitions. When we say that this is genocide, that's, that's not just an emotional statement we're making. Genocide is a actual thing. There's a legal definition for it. This meets that definition. I don't think 
that we can count on the United States government to do anything about this. It's going to require other governments to intervene, including governments in the region. I'm not saying the governments here need to intervene militarily. Maybe, if that's an option, if that's a decision they need to make, there are many ways that they can respond by maybe blocking their airspace. Uh, one option might be to close the Suez Canal. I mean, there are many different ways that you can say, listen, as long as you are doing these crimes against Palestinians, here is how we will respond. Over time, Saudi Arabia has oil, as does Nigeria. Kuwait has oil, as does Nigeria. Qatar has abundant gas, as does Nigeria and other countries. Yet Nigeria is the country with the largest share of its population living below extreme poverty line in 2023 in Africa. That is not a gold medal that we should be proud about. Clearly, there is something fundamentally wrong in our management, or rather mismanagement of our natural resources. It is also clear that if we continue to mismanage these natural resources, we will remain stuck. I have urged African governments to stop securing loans backed by their natural resources. And that's because those natural resource-backed loans are not transparent. They're expensive. They make debt resolution very, very difficult. If that trend continues, it will be a disaster for Africa. If we manage our natural resources well, Africa has no reason to be poor. We have $6.2 trillion of natural resources. So how in the world are we poor? We simply need to pull up our socks, stamp our corruption, and manage our natural resources in the interest of our countries and in the interest of our people. And let me say, the resources of a country does not belong in the pockets of powerful and rich individuals. It belongs for the state to be used for the, for the benefit of the people of that country. There must be accountability on our natural resources. I wonder sometimes when people go around and say, well, I've actually helped. We put a borehole in a state, or pull a borehole, and it's on national television. The very fact that you're actually installing boreholes is an indication of government failure. Because in 21st century, every single house must be having pipe bomb water. So that's nothing to be really delightful about in trying to do that. And we should get away from this feeling of leaders feeling that they are doing public good. No. Leaders must be held accountable for the This is the only continent that has welcomed all civilizations. We started with the Arabs. They abused us. Then came the Portuguese. We welcomed them. They abused us. Then the Dutch came. We welcomed them. They abused us. Then the Italians came, we welcomed them, they abused us. Then the Germans came, we welcomed them, they abused us. Then the French came, we welcomed them, they abused us. Then the English came, we welcomed them and they abused us. Then the Indians came, we welcomed them and they abused us. Then the Lebanese came, we welcomed them, they abused us. Now the Chinese are coming, we are welcoming them and they are abusing us. We must stop this, and we can only stop this through self-realization. Western military bases in Africa are humiliating and oppressive to us Africans due to historical and neo-colonial associations. These bases are colonial exploitation and interference in our African affairs. It is a challenge to national sovereignty. They train and arm terrorists to destabilize our continent. These military bases work with various NGOs and IGOs to control African leaders and the continent economy. The military bases are here in Africa to steal our critical natural resources. They are there to create a perpetual dependency and they undermine efforts for self-determination. Can we Africans ever put a military base in any Western country? So why do they humiliate us like this? How do we get rid of them? The fact that there will be no more ambassador from South Africa in Israel. No more ambassador. These uh, Jew haters, Zionist haters, Zion bashers from South Africa, 
these subhuman barbarians who took over the country there more than 25 years ago, these people who caused death rate the highest in the world, violent death is something in South Africa which happens more than any other place in the world. The same level as Venezuela. I mean, it's outrageous, barbaric. These are people who represent the lowest scum of the earth. They cannot build one bridge. They cannot do anything positive. They can steal properties from the whites. They can kill the whites. They can kill the farmers. There are hundreds of Jews killed in South Africa during this period, by the way, as well. Robbed, killed, and uh, with some constant racial flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking out the window right now, watching all this snow. Looking good, looking great, looking fresh air. Yeah, I want to thank my people for coming in and chiming in on me and listening to me while I sit here and marinate on my thoughts. Maybe some of y'all can help me with my thoughts. Give me your opinion, what you think about, how you feel. All you got to do is just come on in and holler at me and let me know. So, you know, I got a lot of information I'd like to know. I'm not here to start nothing. I'm not here to begin nothing. And I ain't even here for no drama. I'm just here to learn. Just here to learn. And just here to learn. But I want to thank all y'all for coming in. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. And peace. Won't you stand by me? I just need a little more time. I just need a little more time with you. I just a little time with you. So this isn't guesswork. Now the Israeli generals are looking at a nightmare scenario. If Hezbollah comes in, Israel's going to lose that fight. That's why the United States is bringing in two aircraft carriers and 2,000 Marines. Not that they're going to do anything. They're not going to change the outcome. But it's designed as deterrence, a show of force to tell Hezbollah, we're serious about this. Well, Hezbollah's a pretty serious organization, too. Uh, and they've built a military right now that is capable of defeating the Israelis in a conventional stand-up conflict. And Israel will lose northern Israel. They will lose it. Hezbollah will occupy northern Israel down to the Sea of Galilee. The Golan Heights will fall. Um, this is the reality Israel's facing. And they, they, they're in a quandary. So the president's coming in to confer with uh, the Israeli government on how do you get out of this predicament? How do we resolve the situation in Gaza in a way that's politically acceptable to Israel without bringing everything down on top of us? Uh, because the United States knows that we can't fight a conventional war with Iran and win. We can talk all we want. Lindsey Graham can talk about taking out oil fields. You know, Nikki Haley, you know, bring it on, destroy them. She has no military experience. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, the reality is the military people have already told the president, if we attack Iran, A, we don't have sufficient force to attack all of the Iranian capabilities at once. So we'll go in and we'll hit limited strikes. They will immediately retaliate. Every American base in the Middle East will be destroyed. We're going to lose thousands of Americans. Um, they'll sink ships. They'll shut down the Strait of Hormuz. They'll slaughter the Israelis because they're going to hit Israel with long-range precision strike missiles. What, are we inviting Israel now to retaliate with nuclear weapons? Um, that's a dangerous thing. Pakistan's a Muslim country. They've already said if Israeli missiles hit Iran, Pakistani missiles will hit Israel. Pakistan's got nukes. Wow. Think about that. You know what happens to Israel if two nukes hit it? It's gone. All of it. Everybody's dead. Now, the Israelis call it the Samson option. But do we really want to bring the Samson option in play? Is that what we want to do? 
I think we need to back all this down and say, Israel, it's time for you to get with the real world. You had an opportunity, 75 years, to create the Jewish homeland. You didn't do it. You can't do it because it's incompatible with... So the when I say Netanyahu is taking Israel to the end, I mean it. Yesterday, Netanyahu refused any uh, support or any uh, agreement, he, a future agreement with the Palestinians to give them a Palestinian state. He said, as long as I am the leader in Israel, there will never be a Palestinian state. And he added something. In the UK, he is forbidden from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free, is forbidden to see. But Netanyahu yesterday, he said the Israelis are going to occupy the land from the river to the sea, from Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, and all this. He said that in his speech yesterday, that is their plan in the future, is to have an Israel state from the river to the sea, which means opening a war, forget Jordan, forget the, uh, the rest, going to war first with Hezbollah in Lebanon. Hezbollah, who has already evacuated 750,000 Israelis from the north, they left settlers, and they're, now they're living elsewhere. Hezbollah, who has threatened and he has bombed in deep inside of Israel, and here I'm not down, you know, putting down or, or, or down Hamas. Hamas is a, has done a great, great uh, effort to resist the occupation and the, the aggression of Israel in Gaza so far, and they have actually uh, prevailed. They are they have the upper hand so far, Hamas. But what I'm talking about, Hezbollah is hundred times stronger than Hamas. Hamas. Uh, <clears throat> recently, on the ground, they have defeated the Israelis big time and even launching rockets. But the, the ability of Hezbollah of launching rockets and the size of rockets and the, the, the different kind of rockets they have is completely very destructive and, and very similar to the ones Iran launched the other day and attacked uh, Arbil and one in Iraq and uh, in Syria and in Pakistan. So long range laser guided missiles. So Netanyahu now wants to go to a war with Hezbollah, the Houthis. He is taking the whole world to a war against the Muslim world. Like it or not, this is the uh, a war against the Muslim world. Which Muslim world is the Muslim world that stand up for the uh, Americans? Syria, Iran, Iraq, uh, Lebanon, or part of Lebanon, uh, Yemen, these Muslim countries. The, Ara uh, the other Arab countries have actually their alliances with the uh, uh, Americans and the Israelis, Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE, although Saudis, they say they have not normalized with, uh, please, you know, just, it's not about the paper. It's about the attitude. Your attitude is very positive toward the Israelis, and that's very clear. So, um, expect the unexpected, like I said, but whatever happens from now on, there will not be a defeat for anyone in the Middle East but Israel. Mark my words. Israel is going into a really, really deep hole. God, only God can get them out of it. And I don't think God will help them. But something is seriously changing. In the last couple of days, we are seeing a complete shift in the rhetoric of what is sayable in the news media. And in this program, I want to go th uh, with you through one article in particular, that is this one here in The Guardian, um, a revelation and an investigative report about how Israel has been not only evading international law, but US domestic law that is supposed to prevent human rights abuses from happening. That something like this article here, which is a very good and very powerful 
investigation, actually real journalism in The Guardian. Can you believe it? It's possible now uh, that 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 is surprising by itself. But if you combine it with the fact that in the last couple of days, also articles like this one are now possible in foreign affairs. Again, one of the, the number one intellectual propaganda tools in the United States that has been publishing all of this horrible stuff. And now suddenly a former uh, foreign minister of Jordan and later also deputy prime minister, Maran Mwasher is able to have in here a really deep article uh, that reads the greater goal in Gaza for lasting peace, Israel must end its occupation of Palestinian land. I mean, can you believe it? The the things, like sane things, a sane approach to the through this to this horrible slaughter is now being published in the number one propaganda outlets. And in this article, um, we are being told exactly what any sane person uh, has known for many, many years that you cannot go to a lasting peace without an actually working arrangement between uh, the Palestinians and the, uh, and the Israelis. And I mean, read this. The under to understand the true scope of the day after problem, and now he talks, of course, about Gaza and what's currently going on. It is first necessary to recognize that the current conflict did not begin with Hamas' attack on October seventh, nor is it limited to Gaza alone. I, this is this is. I mean, I'm so glad to read this in mainstream. Um, and it, it continues. I mean, we are not going to go through this article, but the other one. But look at what happened yesterday. The EU Parliament actually adopts a resolution calling for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza. Um, uh, but Hamas must, must go. OK, fine. But the EU Parliament now has mustered enough people, 300 something, to vote along with Claire Daly to actually condemn what's happening and say, like, look, uh, Israel, you cannot slaughter all of these people anymore. You've, you've killed more than 24,000 already. Probably 30,000 and more are dead and uh, tens of thousands more are wounded and, and, and mutilated for life. Uh, this has to end. Um, the EU Parliament is highly symbolic, so this um, this resolution itself is, of course, non-binding and so on. So the EU Parliament has has literally zero power, zero, zero. Um, I mean, within the EU a little bit, but on external affairs, zero. So it doesn't. It means nothing more than it is a political statement. But, but there we have the political statement now. Well, parents, take a deep breath, cause this alienation talk. The alien's arrival, alien invasion, that shit has reached our public schools. Y'all haven't heard about it? Here you go. I can't believe I sat through a school safety meeting set and we went over alien invasion protocols, procedures. What to do if there's an alien invasion? Our county really gave us procedures for that. And honestly, I did not process anything that was said during that part of the presentation because I could not believe what I was looking at. Like, anybody else out there get alien invasion protocols? What to do with your students if there's an alien invasion? Just mine? None of the images from Gaza is are exposed to an Israeli average, to an average Israeli. Nothing. 55 years they never showed the occupation, and now they don't show the bloodbath in Gaza, which enables us again, Israelis, to feel what we usually feel. First, we are the victims and the only victims. Secondly, the Israeli army is the most moral army in the world. What do you want from us? We announce the people, we warn the people, go to the south, go to the east, go to the west, go to the sea, go to Rafa, go to Khan Yunis. Khan Yunis is the center of Hamas, so we'll destroy Khan Yunis. First it was Gaza, the center of Hamas. We destroyed the city of Gaza. Finally, we'll get to Rafa, and maybe we will move to Egyptian Rafa. And the Israelis, as one people, getting united, in supporting this war without being exposed at all 
to the consequences of this war without caring at all it's what's going on on the other side. For many years in Israel, the slogan was kill the Arabs, and it was the slogan only of the extreme radical right-wingers. This is now an anachronistic slogan, because now it's about killing all the Arabs, and not only by the extreme right-wingers. Israel, as you rightly described, got to the conclusion, and especially the Zionist left, that what happened on the 7th changes everything. 55 years of brutal occupation, 55 years of brutal occupation should be tolerated. And the hatred that was grown, was developed under those 55 years is unacceptable. But our hatred after one horrible barbarian attack is legitimate. We have the right now to do whatever we want. Y'all hear that, fam? Y'all already hear how the war is getting ready to jump off and what they doing and how they doing it. And they and, and you hear him, and he tried to justify it, and he tried to say that them people didn't have no papers there, and they were just more the Most High. The Most High said he gonna come when 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 Satan is revealed, right? So we already seeing that Satan is already coming out. Okay, good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the current EU members of the Security Council, France, Germany, Poland, the UK, and my own country, Belgium, we would like to make a brief statement on the occupied Golan Heights. This is Caucasian, y'all. All these are European nations. Don't forget this now. European nation that they called out in the context of the U.S. presidential proclamation issued yesterday stating that the United States recognizes the, that the Golan Heights are part of the state of Israel. Our position on the status of the Golan Heights is well known, and we would like to make it clear that this position has not changed. In line with international law and relevant Security Council resolutions, notably Resolution 242 and 497, we do not recognize Israel's sovereignty over the territories occupied by Israel since June 1967, including the Golan Heights, and we do not consider them to be part of the territory of the State of Israel. Annexation of territory by force is prohibited under international law. Any declaration of a unilateral border change goes against the foundation of the rules-based international order and the UN Charter. We raise our strong concerns about the broader consequences of recognizing illegal annexation and also about the broader regional consequences. Thank you. Control for the Arctic Circle is getting hotter by the minute. Who will control the most important shipping route of the next 100 years or maybe 200 years? Will it be Norway? Will it be Russia? Will it be the United States? Russia has already sort of planted their titanium flag on the territory that has already that has filled uh, that is already filled right now. They've already filled the waters in the Arctic Circle with their nuclear powered submarines, ice breaking uh, vessels, you name it, uh, radar equipment, everything you can think of from Russia is already in this area. Now, Mil mobile military bases where they're not even locked in place, floating and moving. That's how much Russia has now already taken over this area. But Norway is trying to pick a fight right now, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, and is Norway, I guess, maybe doing the bidding of the United States once again? 
So first, Norway already has blood on its hands, of course. Norway and the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, uh, an act, according to Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Seymour Hirsch, Norway was not an innocent bystander in this at all. In fact, they are the ones that literally pushed the button that blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. That's what Seymour Hirsch stated in his journalism. Norway made the plan to use the Baltops 22 training exercise as cover for blowing up the Nord Stream pipelines. Norway's Navy supplied the Alta-class mine hunter that carried the divers and the explosives to the scene of the crime. And then on September 26, 2022, the Navy P-8 surveillance plane was provided by Norway. It then made a seemingly routine flight, flew out, dropped that sonar buoy that set off the explosion. So quite literally, Norway blew up the Nord Stream pipeline in concert with the United States. They're the ones that pressed the button. They're the ones that did most of the planning and coordination of this. So did Russia attack its neighbor as a response? No, Russia never attacked Norway for it. No, Russia didn't do anything to Norway. In fact, the opposite just happened in Norway. Norway expelled 15 diplomats for intelligence activities. The embassy officials are accused of spying under diplomatic cover, they said. Norway says 15 Russian diplomats working at the embassy are spies, and it's booting them out of the country. Norway's foreign minister accused Russia, Russian officials of working as intelligence officers under the cover of diplomatic positions. Like, let's be honest, isn't that what they all do anyway? Uh, what? Work like, undercover? I mean, look, they're, they're Russian. They're in Norway, in the embassy, in the Russian embassy. Mm-hmm. Like, by nature, they, they, they're there as... You're saying all diplomats are there as a foreign influence? Yeah. Absolutely, that's the case. I mean, so we're suddenly surprised that they're being Russian? I just find this hilarious. They're, I mean, it's maybe not to the extent of the Americans, you know. The show the Americans. The, yeah, yeah, the, the show. Um, but, yes, all, all embassies try to exert foreign influence on the place where they are. That is sort of their job. That's why they're there. I mean, they have this sort of cover of provide passports and notaries and things like that to expats living abroad. But beyond that, they all do outreach programs to spread their own uh, culture and concepts. The United States no more than uh, the United States spends, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to throw a Fourth of July party at all of its embassies. Um, and, you know, they sort of we've talked about these drag queen shows in, in Ecuador as exporting our culture. And uh, yeah, that is, I guess you could say that that's intelligence or foreign influence it so it just is intelligence officers intelligence gathering i mean i guess i guess if at night they're you know they during the during the day they work at the embassy and then they've been tracking them and at nighttime they go down to the dockyards with their with their binoculars or something you know and they're like yeah we saw we saw mikhail down there every night he's been down there with the binoculars so we got to get him out of the country well yeah i maybe mean we may, don't know maybe he's you know? there whale watching we don't know but anyway they said that that's what they're doing so but putin's not happy about this fired back. Putin's pissed. Says Russia will respond. Um, Putin says the relations between these two countries is the lowest it's ever been. It's not good for either side, says Putin. I mean, they share, you know, share a friggin' border for crying out loud. Um, no good for either country, Putin says. So what exactly are you doing, Norway? Digging your own grave here? Because it doesn't help that the stooge in charge of NATO is the same guy, is the name, a guy by the name of Jen Stoltenberg. He's Norwegian. And the next battle is over the shipping lanes through Arctic waters. So what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to set up for, the, for a, ba- a battle right now? We know that these sort of strategic exercises have been going back and forth where Russia will uh, basically try to hit Norwegian targets in their practice rounds. And then Norway basically is doing the same thing, trying to hit Russian targets. So are we seeing like the staging rounds for the next battle that's coming over the Arctic Circle? There are, there are six countries right now that surround the Arctic Ocean, being Russia, Canada, the United States, Denmark, Norway, and Iceland. And the Arctic Council sort of governs all of this, is in danger, according to a number of different analysts on this. Right now, turmoil could be about to hit the Arctic Council. They are The council holds meetings to determine the future of the polar region. Right now, Russia holds the chair position. They had it for two years. They're about to hand it over next month to Norway. That's supposed to happen, but it might not. And what does that mean? What does that mean if it doesn't happen? Because the rest of the other countries, not including Russia, decided to cancel their most recent meetings. We don't really want to talk with you anymore, Russia. But wait a second, Russia's on the Arctic Council. So what's going to happen here? 
even before that, the seven Western Arctic uh, Council members decided to pause their uh, council cooperation with Russia. So let's get this right. Russia controls 50% of the Arctic. Arctic. Because, because of the war in Ukraine, you're now snubbing their involvement in the Arctic Council. Almost pretending they don't exist. What do you think they're going to do to make decisions about the Arctic? Are they going to do it without Russia's involvement? Good luck with that. You think they're going to sit idly by and have NATO countries dictate shipping lanes and military drills? The United States is woefully behind when it comes to any sort of Arctic infrastructure at all. And so now is, is the United States going to be dictating to Norway and these other countries what happens in the Arctic Circle? No one's talking about this story because I, I don't know why. I don't, you, just can't, you can't send press people there. You can't get cameras there. You can't get news reports there. So the, the, the news that we get basically is relied upon by the Arctic Council. The information we get comes out of basically the Arctic Council. I mean, if I wanted to like book a flight, where would I go? How do I get to the Arctic? You know, I'm going to the North Pole to do some news reporting. Good luck. I don't know. Penguin Airways. A canoe. <laughs> going up there to do some work. Um, what most people don't know, because Russia doesn't really talk about it, is what Russia is doing in the Arctic. Um, you've all heard about China and their Belt and Road Initiative, which, of course, creates massive shipping lanes, rail infrastructure, trade routes through the Middle East and Asia and through the South China Sea. But you might not have heard about Russia's Arctic road plan and which is unfolding, which is doing virtually the same thing, removing dependence on the Suez Canal, the Panama Canal and traditional trade routes, creating tr massive new trade routes that don't rely on those old 1800s trade routes anymore that are, by the way, controlled largely by the United States and now would be controlled by Russia. Oh, and by the way, and China. But you haven't seen this on CNN. Over the past year, the team at Redacted has been following this Arctic story closely. We've actually been building a documentary on the Arctic specifically and the sort of the hidden history of the Arctic and what this what this means going forward. But then, of course, this news started unfolding this week and we had to jump on it. So this new trade route, which will trade will control trade between the east and the west and the north and the south, doesn't rely on the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal, which can take upwards of a month or more for deliveries. Russia is in the lead in this area, and there are, and we already know that the United States is – think about all of the massive mineral resources that are in this space. Massive, absolutely massive. And the United States is way behind on this, totally behind. Here's Rex Tillerson, who was the former Secretary of State, of course, big oil and gas magnate before that, so knows a thing or two about the power of oil and gas in this region. Listen. What I can tell you is the United States is behind we're behind all the other Arctic nations. They, are, they have dealt with this. They've gotten way ahead of us. The Russians made it a strategic priority. Even the Chinese are building ice-breaking tankers. Now, why are they building icebreakers? They're not an Arctic nation because they see the value of these passages. So we're late to the game. I think uh, we have one functioning icebreaker today. Uh, the, the Coast Guard's very proud of it. Yeah. As crummy as it is. Yeah. And I know in the budget, there is money in the budget for us to, for one to, more. to, make, to build another icebreaker. <laughs> but the whole, the whole Arctic region, because of what's happened with the opening of the Arctic passageways from, a, from an economic and trade standpoint, but certainly from a national security standpoint, is vitally important to our interests. So if they add the Arctic area to the Russian territory, they will have their hand on roughly 16% of the world's untapped oil reserves. 30% of the world's undiscovered natural gas reserves. Gas that lies buried beneath the ocean, in addition to the vast mineral deposits, nickel, platinum, many rare earth minerals that are totally needed right now. Russia is sitting right there on top of, in tandem with China, by the way. Uh, the decades of undisrupted waters have also made it rich in plankton, which in turn attracted a massive number of fish to that, for that live in that region as well. So all of the fisheries and the, the, available, uh, the available stocks there as well. As if the Arctic needed to be any more appealing to Russia, the two commercial shipping passages, the Northwest and the Northeast, will have many advantages through that region. Two things to put in perspective here. Consider the traditional route of Rotterdam in the Netherlands to Shanghai in China. In the early 19th century, a ship would have had to travel around the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. But once the Suez Canal in Egypt was built in the 1800s, the long trip around Africa could be avoided. The same journey became 23% shorter. The new Northeast passage through the Arctic Circle will take another almost 25% time off of this journey. 
tremendous, saving both time, fuel, cost, making it incredibly strategic important. If Russia owns that passage, game over. Does Russia want to deliver oil and natural gas through the United States-controlled canal systems in the Middle East? Of course not. Remember when this happened at the Suez Canal? Now, it's one of the world's most important shipping routes, and it's blocked. A giant container ship ran aground in the Suez Canal after losing power. And at around 200,000 tons and over 400 meters long, the container, well, it's going to take some shifting. 50 ships a day normally pass through the canal, carrying 12% of the world's trade. So the pressure is really on to get her refloated. Here's Richard Galpin. So six days it took to remove that ship, bring global shipping to a standstill. Russia has now deployed its own version of floating military bases in the Arctic with the icebreaker vessels constantly on the move, uh, looking for blind spots in the radar right now so that their radar coverage is totally mapped out and taken care of. So even in the Arctic Circle with these icebreakers, uh, and these sort of military bases are mobile instead of being stationary. China's currently developing special nuclear-powered icebreaking vessels to connect Russia's Arctic road initiative with its own Belt and Road Initiative. So combined, basically, China and Russia together on this, they have shares in the Arctic that top $35 trillion worth of oil and natural gas together. So does the United States want a piece of that? You bet they're trying. Is this maybe perhaps the next stage in this war that we haven't really heard much about? It was never really about Ukraine in the first place. It was always about undermining Russia's growth. But little did they know that they might put Russia and China so closely together in this alliance. I mean, Biden has done one hell of a job bringing about the downfall of the United States in the global power rankings and then bringing together China and Russia in such a way and even doing it over ice in the Arctic Circle. Right. Well, the International Monetary Fund just today uh, put out an estimate that by 2027, I think, that the BRICS nations will be responsible for 35 percent of the global economy. Um, already, it is bigger than the G7 um, by just a few percentage points. But it, that lead is expected to widen um, in the near future, in the, the coming years that are upon us.
Yes. Yeah. 